Hey, what up? This is Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture Pastor. Pop Culture Pastor. So, Cody, if you were a horse in the Kentucky Derby, what would your name be? And why would it be contrarian? <laughs> like secretariat? You'd be contrarian. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know what my horse name would be. If I was a horse in the Kentucky Derby, maybe it's better for you to answer for, for me. If I was a horse in the Kentucky Derby, what would be my name? We'll go with McDreamy. Down the stretch they come. McDreamy trailing by 150 <laughs> likes. He's completely out of it. Yeah. I'd be McDreamy because I like dreaming McFlurries. McFlurries. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, hi, this is uh, Pop Culture Pastor. My name is Dave. Cody's here. I am. And you didn't know it, but right off the bat, we're just on the geek phone because Scotty's on the geek phone. Geek phone. Hi, everybody. Scotty, my man. Uh, this is a this is a big episode. This is we're going to review Guardians of the Galaxy three later. So, uh, and Scotty, he's just here for Comics Conclave. But I wanted to give Scotty a chance to give us a sliver of input on Guardians 3. So, Scotty, what is your hottest take about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Spoilers! Spoilers from this point on, if you're listening. Spoilers. All the spoilers. Yeah. All the spoilers. What is your hottest take about Guardians 3? My you don't even have to explain it if you don't want to. <laughs> I I really enjoyed it a lot. and And I... And it felt for me like probably, and I'll say this, it's my favorite MCU trilogy for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a high bar going in the, the get to that first one, especially, but for me, it's very close to that second one. I, I feel like we, we take these characters on a journey that even so much that you see in the Marvel logo at the beginning that the first the first lines that you see in the logo for script pages is it's showtime angles <laughs> so we knew we were going on a ride that gun took us on that you know was unrelenting and you know spoilers we don't we don't per se nobody dies but at the same time we feel like we take these characters on a journey that they need to be on you know it's a movie about every single one of those characters confronting their past trauma mm. and, and accepting it. You that's, know? A good take. Mm. that's a good take. And I will echo that take when we get to that part of the, the pod, but that's, I agree completely with what you just said. That the, the, the character arcs, man, those are real arcs. Yeah. And when we have our greatest trilogies yeah. episode, you will hear another hot take from this guy. Okay. <laughs> but you got that look to look forward to, which is nice. You got that going for you. Oh yeah. Uh, hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scotty, we're, you're here to discuss this week's or this month's comics conclave. Our, our book comic book reading club, if you will uh, remind everybody what book we are reading because I didn't do it. I know <laughs> I'm awful. The, the title of this go around was Daredevil Guardian Devil by Kevin Smith and Joe Casada mm. and Jimmy Palomato. I, I was want, going to say Kevin Smith. 
is a big player in this. Yeah, I, yes. I just wanted to. I, I I just want you to know I'm still going to read this because I want to. I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, so I read it, but I read it like right after all my finals that just ended, and so like it definitely did not sink in. So. Over the next week, I'll be rereading it, but I am excited <laughs> to talk about it. All right. Um, so, Scotty, uh, give us the give us the broad uh, idea of this book. Well, the broad idea is that Marvel had gotten into a place with with Daredevil that really kind of they didn't know what to do with the character yet. Um, it's kind of the same way that after you know, I always say there's three kind of areas for Daredevil the character. You had the years of Stan Crane, that character, and once he left, it was kind of that iffy kind of area again. And that's when Frank Miller comes in and really makes it the character that we all know. So much so that when you look at any adaptation, every single one of those adaptations takes things from the Frank Miller run. Yeah. So, so Frank Frank Miller, if if you're listening, you don't know, is is uh, responsible for like kind of the essential Daredevil character arc of Born Again. He is. Yes. You know, yeah. you create, create Electra, you get Stick, you get the Hand, you get all that stuff that we know and love about that character. And even so much doesn't create Bullseye, but breaks Bullseye the villain that we know. And even the Kingpin stuff is is Frank Miller. So so after he leaves, you kind of have this kind of awkward, the title keeps going, but not to the heights that it was. So Marvel gets towards the end of the 90s and thinks, Hey, what can we do with it with a lot of our lines? We want to start, you know, selling to maybe a little older crowd, not so much that we're talking completely R-rated stories, but we want to create an imprint that will kind of cater a little more to that age bracket. So they create Marvel Knights. And this is one of those tiles that's created for Marvel Knights. Also, you get the the fantastic Christopher Priest run on Black Panther that the movies draw from quite a bit. You get the Fantastic Four run, and you get the Garth NS Punisher stuff. Um, so this story starts, and Matt Murdock and everyone around him, you know, Frank Miller kind of taking Karen and Foggy through the ringer. Oh yeah. Like I wasn't <laughs> expecting this, like jumping into it. I'm yeah. like, Oh no, these people are so happy on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the show's kind of like scratches that surface of where, like where Frank started and then <laughs> makes it worse for him, you know? So at this point, you know, Karen has already, you know, been through drugs, been through the alcohol. And at one point even sold Matt's identity to kingpin the get money for drugs <laughs> so she's back you know kind of rebound her life and she's hosting a radio show and while hosting this radio show finds out that she has hiv from the years of all the things that went on she was uh, like jenny from forrest gump yes oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's sad so so the story starts off with a 15-year-old girl who leaves a baby at Matt's front door. And and how we understand it is that this baby is supposed is, you know, through immaculate conception, that this she has given birth to the Antichrist and left it in Matt's care. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's yeah. a ton of like deep, like religious end of time stuff going on. Yes. I mean, that just gets crazy right off the bat. That's the beginning of the story. Yes. yes. <laughs> and this is eight comic book 
issues yeah in my own <laughs> story that we're going through okay so it starts off there that's crazy so you know then matt's like trying to figure out how to handle this and him and natasha black widow have kind of had an on and off thing at this point it's kind of falling apart so he calls natasha for help <laughs> which is you know mm-hmm. good and bad so you know we we have a matt who has pretty much been given the antichrist and who is very much struggling with his faith and doesn't really know what he wants to do anymore with his life and and also has through the frank miller run has realized that all those years that he thought his mother was gone is still alive and maggie is a nun that he has kind of re kind of started to rebuild that relationship with as well um kevin smith uh for a guy who's not a practicing catholic anymore <laughs> he was brought up in catholic school he oh, sure yeah. has a fascination with eschatology yes. he does <laughs> yeah as and, the youth say <laughs> you know so so you have this now you have this kind of culmination of everything kind of bubbling at the surface of, you know, Foggy is, is they're working for a law firm for Foggy's mom and Foggy hasn't had the grace of a few years. So Foggy gets tied up with this, this woman he's supposed to be representing that he sees turns to a demon and <laughs> he gets accused of killing her. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Prison bound Foggy. Yeah. Man, okay, I need to read this. This is yes. this is way more out there than I expected. Yeah, <laughs> the, and and the and the best thing is this is just the start of the Marvel Knights run. This is just the kick in the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the conceit of the story here? Who's the who's the bad guy? What's the what's the catch here? So the catch is that we find out that somebody is also after this child, and we think it's just you know some rich man who wants to take in the Antichrist. And through that, as he, one does, he, you know, um, is that Mr. Maccabee? And Mr. Maccabee, his name yeah. is Maccabee. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. Kevin yes. Smith's playing with some serious imagery. Yes. <laughs> so, so this man sends many people after the child. Well, they man ends up giving the child to his mother, the nun Meg, and through and the last person he hires to come back after him is Bullseye. Well, at the same time, Bullseye goes to church for the baby. Karen is there, and Bullseye ends up killing Karen Page. Wow. Yeah. So Karen Page, gone. <laughs> Karen Page, gone. Well, then, she was going to live a rough life anyway. Yeah. Well, have they brought Matt, her back since then? No, they have not. Comic she characters is, usually never permanently gone. She is actually, she's, she's been yeah. gone. She's been gone, which is very interesting. It's it's one of those characters that they haven't been back through. And, and it kind of made me nervous when the show started thinking that they would, with her being so prominent in the show, but they haven't, which are really surprised <laughs> me. Interesting. So, so then Matt, in a rage, goes back after after the Maccabee. Well, when he goes after Maccabee, you find out that it's Mysterio. And Mysterio is <laughs> wanting to live out his last few days because he has brain tumors, kind of mm-hmm. in the fashion of what Craven the Hunter was doing in last hunt with spider-man and it's dark it's very dark everyone is in this comic book run like yeah. there's mephisto there's spider-man making a yes. brief appearance i mean yeah. like everyone their mom is present okay including matt's mom yeah who we thought was dead yeah <laughs> so so matt you know the rage finally takes out mysterio the big villain of the whole piece 
and and you find out that everything that had happened including you know karen's hiv was all faked by mysterio to pretty much pull at matt and pretty much put him at his low point so that he would come after him and get matt to pretty much kill him <laughs> the way wow. that you know craven hunter was killed mm-hmm. you know so so in the end it's not so much that through all these events it's it's matt finding his renewed faith by the end of this book and Very so nice. And so much so that when he ref- refines that faith, the child, um, which which is a great comic, Kevin Smith in joke too, <laughs> is, is um, the baby is adopted by a family in New Jersey, <laughs> yeah. which one of <laughs> which is funny, and they and they name the child Karen as well. Oh, isn't that nice? Yes. So the child, are we to understand that the child will not grow up? Well, is not the Christ? Christ? No, this okay. Is every, so that every, was all Mysterio. It was all Mysterio trying to just pull him in. Man. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, he had Daredevil pegged, didn't he, though? He did. He knew his target. Yeah. (laughs) Religious Uh, imagery. And I forgot Dr. Strange is in this. Yes. It was Dr. Strange in the beginning. Yeah. Wow. So you said Mephisto's in this. Mephisto watch. It actually comes true in this. So (laughs) unlike um, everything else Disney Plus has done. When when Mysterio (laughs) is is trying to fool Daredevil into thinking the baby's the Antichrist, is Mephisto like, nope, don't know him. (laughs) Now that's that's not mine. That's not mine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that sounds like a fever dream. It's a really like I said, it's 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 a great start to that title that that title just keeps barreling. And that and the Marvel Nice title goes many many years and i highly recommend starting with that yeah i'm still gonna read it for sure and 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 the funny thing is if you pick up the original trade the original trade starts with an intro by ben affleck because it's right before the ben affleck movie (laughs) oh that's too bad (laughs) (laughs) boom uh so uh cody did you have any other thoughts you wanted to to talk about um like Again, there was a lot of imagery that, yes. like, if you are someone that either is a Christian or knows quite a bit about Christianity, you'll be like, holy cow, they're referencing this. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, everyone and their mom is in this. Um, am I not mistaken that Black Widow's also in this? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, everyone and their mom is in this. <laughs> this, like, this is all actually, Marvel's big hitters, not named Thor and Hulk. Yeah. This is also where you get that iconic color of Matt holding the cross. That oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where this comes from as well. The, that cover was done by Casada. Now, um, am I right and correct in thinking that you have the next comic conclave title ready to go? I do. Would you like to tell us, or do you want I, to? I, I would. Um, okay. Next next title, drumroll, is Sandman Preludes and Nocturnes. Okay. Which, it's right. happening. <laughs> we're, we're going Sandman. Talk about yes. imagery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, watch the Netflix show, by the way, kids. It's been yes. a while since I read some Sandman. Like, we're yes. talking the 90s. So, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I will read this one. <laughs> um, before you head out, Scotty, okay. what was your grade? Or G O T G three. I say I say a seven because I always seven. put the first one at a nine and two at eight. So I, I so always so yeah, I'm just want to make sure I'm getting this right. 
You're saying part three is the worst Guardians movie. It is, but not. No, it's not. Uh, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not horrible. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a high bar to try and yeah that first one for sure, and that second one is pretty doggone close. All right. I, you know, I always come back to those first two, and and the moment that this one hits streaming, I feel like it's gonna be the same way. And it and something that's fun if you haven't done it since watching three, go back and watch the first two. Because there are things planned in there that, you know, we passed off as fans that we didn't even think about. Like, so much so when the Guardians are taken to the kiln the first time in the prison, on the Rockets' aliases is Mm -hmm. Lila. It's Lila and Groot. Remember, kids, the opinions of Scotty do not necessarily (laughs) reflect the opinions (laughs) of Pop Culture Pastor. Um, Okay, Scotty, appreciate it, buddy. Uh, We'll uh, say the name of the title again, Sandman. Sandman, Preludes, and Nocturnes. It's the first eight issues. Okay. All right. Uh, we will we'll share the, the cover on the uh, on the website, and everyone can pick that up and start reading. Please do. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Hey, no we're going to get off the geek phone right now. When we come back, it's time for the knights, the knights, the geeks of the round table to review Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> All right, we are back. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, fellow geeks. Spoilers, obviously, are going to be talked about here. If you have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and you do not want to be spoiled, please stop listening now and come back later to listen after you've enjoyed the movie so you can come in and uh, hear what we have to say about the movie. My name is Dave. Cody's here. I am here. And I just commandeered a microphone. Yeah. Geek of the round table. Jackson Chauncey is here. Joop, 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 joop. And fellow geek of the round table. Justin John is here. How's it going, guys? Yeah. So we're ready to talk about this movie. Um, Let let me just let me give a, a just a very short, broad synopsis of the movie. Uh, The conceit is that the high evolutionary is seeking his intellectual property, which in this case is rocket raccoon Mm -hmm. or rocket as we know him. And he sends Adam Warlock uh, after him, Adam Warlock, very early iteration comic book speaking wise of Adam Warlock here. Uh, Adam Warlock was kind of a villain when he was just known as him in his first few appearances in the comics fought Thor powerful dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here Adam Warlock comes after him. Rocket gets severely injured. And we find out that rocket has uh, because he's property of the high evolutionary. He has something attached to his, his inner workings that make it impossible for them to use it. What they call a med pack, which by the way, Watching the med pack in action and the body horror in that first <laughs> that first scene right off the bat, Mantis's arm being broken and yes. then put back. Oh my goodness, that was nuts! 
Uh, but we get a good view of Adam Warlock's power, which I think is important. And um, so the Guardians go on a mission to get whatever it is inside Rocket that, that is keeping them from saving their friend uh, to get it deactivated. It sends them on this adventure, uh, several different kind of like little mini adventures in the, the goal of this. Uh, they go to the weird fleshy uh, base uh, owned. It's the, the Orgo scope, the Orgo whatever company owned by the high evolutionary. And it eventually leads them to the high evolutionary himself and counter earth uh, the high evolutionary's creation for his tip top animal experiments uh, that he's made with the help of rocket. As we find out in the flashbacks uh, that rocket was the one who unlocked the key uh, to what they were doing wrong. Cause he was unsuccessful until he, he found the right concoction. And uh, what, what follows is this kind of race against time to get this thing uh, in rocket deactivated so they can save rockets life, which they do. Obviously we already told you there were spoilers. Nobody dies in this. None of the guardians die. People die. <laughs> there is death. There is death. There a lot are, of animals die. There are tears to be shed. Yes. Uh, don't get me wrong. Said, yes. Death is plentiful. There's, there's a lot, but uh, in the end, the guardians save the day. They save their friend and they all have nice, um, tidy character arcs starting from the very beginning from guardians one. So that's where we're at. Um, Cody broad take on the movie just in general. Um, so for me, I think that this was a good wrestling with, um, some deep mental health trauma, Mm -hmm. um, on the part of all the characters, um, again, heartbreaking scenes. Um, my wife cried a ton. I shed tears. Wow. Hey. I don't shed what? tears. I don't. And if, I don't like if Ted Lasso were here, he would have just fainted. He would have. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, this movie, it, it hits all the notes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the high evolutionary has some great parts might be the best MC villain that we've seen. I'll name it and claim it. Um, although Thanos was right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Had humor. It had great songs. You even get to hear the official rock band of Oklahoma, the Flaming Lips. Yes. The Flaming yes. Lips make an appearance on the soundtrack. Jackson, what's your broad take on the movie? Um, broad take is it's a movie you both watch and react to. It's not a movie you just sit there and, uh, stay still, or at least I didn't, uh, a lot of, if you're a fan of all of CGI animals, it's a tough watch. Um, if you own pets, I think it's a tough watch as well. Uh, I echo Cody. There were definitely times I was moved to tears, maybe not actively sobbing or wailing, but definitely (laughs) emotionally impacted. Uh, My wife took great delight in that, uh, being the sensitive one of our marriage, but um, it it was a very quality film. Um, I I mean, I'm 
real sold on James Gunn. He's what will get me to DC movies in the future. I don't know if we're going to touch on that later, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about it. No complaints with James. Cody's uh, Cody's wife has already said she's never seen this movie again. It's, it was too much for her. Which, by the way, I could definitely see. Oh, yeah. Um, I do think she will watch it eventually, but each time... Just had the Kleenexes ready. My mother works for the Humane Society of the United States, and I've already told her, you probably don't want to see this movie. It might be too much for you. Yeah. 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 Justin? Um, See, I went into the movie kind of, uh, I I remember sitting there uh, next to my brother, and I'm like, all right, here we go. It's starting. Let's go. I'm I'm ready to laugh. I'm ready to have a good time. And uh, it was dark and sad. Like, there were definitely, like, laugh-out-loud moments, and moments I remember that I'm just like, okay, I needed that. But I feel like often I was grasping for laughter at times. Mm. Like I almost like made myself laugh because I'm like, <laughs> if I don't, I'm going to lose it. Um, I had tears twice. Um, I remember very distinct times. I had tears twice. Yeah. Um, I felt like it was emotionally gripping, like in a way that you couldn't, I don't know. That movie didn't let you go. Like, let's just say your heart was a harp and it put every heart string on it that you had. It just strummed them like the Mm. whole entire movie. And I think, you know, as a Marvel fan, I think these characters you've come to know and love all of the, uh, the structures and the lives they've built thus far, you delved into their origin and you understood every ounce of who they are and why they are now. Um, I thought it was really beautiful. Kind of the way that like all of the guardians now had like this attachment to like Quill's music and like, they all need it now. Like every single one of them's like, play something, just play something. I need that music. Yeah. But it was, it was a great movie. I I really enjoyed it. It was tough, but it was, I enjoyed it. My broad take is basically what all these guys have said is that um, it's a great movie. It might be the movie that the MCU really needed right now. Um, phase four was tough. And unlike a lot of the phase four movies, maybe the problem with some of the phase four movies is there's real stakes here. Real stakes. Mm-hmm. The characters have real arcs that are realized through the course of the movie. And by the by the way, through the course of all three movies, there's callbacks to all the movies mm-hmm. that they've appeared in. Um, and that sort of attention to detail is... What gets me excited for yes. James Gunn in the DC universe. Uh, so we'll we'll definitely talk about that later. But yeah, my broad take on a movie is it was great. It had it had uh, some some big feels, big laughs, and it's a it's a movie. Like, look, if I don't, if we go back to Ant Man, Quantum Mania, if I'm looking for if the movie's technically okay, that's a problem. If the movie's good enough where I'm not looking at the technical, looking for technical problems, this is a good movie. Yes. Um, by the way, can I say, called it, told you that this was going to be a home run. Oh, did you? I did. Because okay. all the times we were talking about, is Marvel over? Is Whoa, this cinematic? Yeah, okay, well, Marvel wait, wait, might wait, wait. be over. I told you this movie was going to hit it. Well, we'll get to that question later. While while James Gunn can hit a home run, and I think it's fair to say he did, yeah. there's still a discussion of whether this is a home run for MCU. Oh, it's not. Okay. I can tell all you right, now. Right, yeah. it's We're not. thinking along the same lines. We'll, we'll get there. Um, let's start off. Let's just hit. I'll, I'll start off with what's good. Um, Justin mentioned the music. Yes. <sighs> Dude. 
if James Gunn does nothing else right, man, does he put together the right music from the very opening scene where Rocket is singing Creep by Radiohead. Oh, yeah. Oh, you kidding me? That alone says so much, singing the sad songs of the, the 90s. <laughs> like, oh, or was it early aughts? I think it was 90s, right? 90s. Oh, man, that was great. Um, I thought the music was wonderful, wonderfully done. And the way he interweaves it, yeah, through all the characters. Um, there's even a point where, you know, Gamora's messing around with it. Uh, the end when Rocket moves the classic iPod from the early aughts to the 2000s music yeah. is perfect and, and, like, leaves the door open for some other director to to take the baton and make make this music with um this movie with all this wonderful music in it. Jackson, did you have something you wanted to add? Well, with sharing the mic, I don't want to deny Cody some insights, but as far as what was good about the movie, yeah. um I would say that it was a movie that grabbed a hold of you and didn't let go. It was a movie that didn't pull back. That's kind of been a small criticism of past Marvel movies is they get you right up to the end of something and then they pull back. They let off the gas. And yeah. I don't feel that this movie did that. You know, it it took it that far and then went further. And, yeah. you know, it, it really, it made you feel. That's kind of getting back to my initial statement of it wasn't a movie you watched as much as you experienced. When I got out of it, and somebody asked me about it. I said, it was grueling, but it was great. You know? Yeah. I feel yeah. like I, very fair. I, I went through something. You know, I had a an experience. You know, I came in or left different than I came in, those type of things. Um, yeah, it was very frenetic. It was a frenetic pace right from the beginning. I mean, Adam Warlock shows up and just starts dusting the, the, the ground with Guardians. Yeah, and he gets right to it. There's no, like, I am Adam, you know, with a long speech or anything. He just lays into everybody. You know, you mm -hmm. go from that sense of, hey, all my friends are back. You know, we're we're going through some tough times, but, you know, the band's all still here. And then he flies in and just, and it's demolishes yeah. Rocket, so, especially. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This movie doesn't, it doesn't let off the gas much at all. And two and a half hours goes by pretty quick. Um, I didn't, I, at no time did I really feel like the the time. Like, oh man, this is taking forever. They probably could have trimmed 30 minutes. No, they probably could have added another 30 minutes to this movie. In fact, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm being critical, this wasn't going to be on my what's not good list, but I'll go ahead and add it now. If, if there's, I mean, just the smallest bit of critique is some of the emotional beats could have had more room to breathe just to make them all that much more. But honestly, I think it was fine. Like it's not that you didn't feel them. Well, and that was, uh, I wasn't on the Thor episode, but I definitely made sure I listened. And that was one of the things you brought up of the tone. And mm -hmm. that was kind of a movie I'm hitting on of they bring this feeling to you and then they're like, and joke, joke, joke. Right. You know, let's right. get away from that. You know, we got close, but we're not going to let you touch that. And this movie was the exact opposite. You know, as Brian mentioned, you find, you have to find the humor, find the jokes. They're not given, yeah. you know, served right up to yeah. you. The, 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 the stakes are never let go of in this movie. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cody, what's good? Besides the whole movie? Um, <laughs> you got to pick something out. Just okay. we, We're going to go down our list. Yes. What's good? Um, honestly, I'm going to focus on the villain. The oh, villain yeah, yeah. was talk phenomenal. The villain. Yeah. Uh, the high eternal, which... High uh, evolutionary. Or evolutionary. I have eternals in my mind for some reason. But yes, high evolutionary. Um, so... Um, do you have the actor's name in front of you? I do not. Chibuti uh, something. Um, so he is, thank you, Jackson. Uh, he is a, uh, he's in Peacemaker. Yes, I so, knew that. So James Gunn like does use a lot of the same actors. And I saw a lot of people leading up to the movie being released complain about it. And I'm like, Hello, Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese and all these cats that everyone loves reuses the same actors because they have a feel for them. Um, A lot of the let's let's address the elephant in the room. A lot of critique comes James Gunn's way because of the weird split fandom of DC between like the Zach. uh, What's his name? Snyder, Zack Snyder, people who like, look, I was on Twitter today and there's just loads of people, you know, trying to, after the fact, say that Batman versus Superman is like some classic movie that was unfairly judged. And I'm like, no, no, that movie was junk. It was utter. It was an utter dumpster fire. Uh, But like these, there's this weird extreme bit of the DC fandom that really complains about, for instance, James Gunn's wife appearing in his stuff you leave jennifer holland's name out of your mouths okay will smith (laughs) we don't need anyone getting slapped but yeah like what like look she's in this i saw people complaining that she was in this movie she's in this movie for like what two minutes yeah and by the way really kind of kills the scene she's awesome she is she's she made me laugh so you know she did what she was supposed to do shakwudi um shakwudi yeah is it is the uh high evolutionary and oh my goodness like his facial expressions mm. his mannerisms his delivery oh my goodness just the complete package what marvel lacks in 90 percent of their films if not more is a good bad guy that you are like I hate this guy and I hope he dies. Marvel Marvel struggles with the villain, right? So they it's rare that when they get a villain right. Um this might be so James Gunn and the Guardians trilogy, it's fair to say the first two villains are pretty suspect. They 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 hit that MCU kind of vibe of like uh, like they're not bad. They're just not great. Jackson's popping his knuckles over there because th- remember i'm not dogging kurt russell that's what he's dogging <laughs> i'm not dogging kurt russell i know you love kurt russell but him as ego like that was just such a weird take on ego um and to make him the big bad of that of two it was just kind of a weird choice but with this movie like the high evolutionary went so i heard early on they were wondering they were gonna make a nihilus the bad guy this movie they mm-hmm. made the right choice the high evolutionary has to be the bad guy. And if you're going to do the high evolutionary, 
Um, here's what I would have said if I'd have known in advance, like when they were, when they were planning it, we want to make a movie where the high evolutionary is the bad guy. I'm saying, okay, here's, here's the notes you got to hit with the high evolutionary at first. He's got a holiness vibe to him, right? Oh yeah. It seems like he's a holy guy, but then when you see his heart, the audience needs to be disgusted, like disgusted. And they absolutely nail it with him. The actor, James Gunn, the writing, the script, even to the reactions of the people around him. I was going to say, like, the, I don't know what those characters' names are, but his, his henchman, his henchman, um, <laughs> Mateo from Superstore. <laughs> Like, oh, he was awful. He was. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want Mateo to die in this film. <laughs> um, spoilers. Mateo does die. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt bad. Brutally. It's, it's, it's <laughs> unclear whether Mateo's a real life form though. And not just some yeah. kind of like cyborg clone thing. Yes. And so like even those characters, like it's really easy to root against them that they're really like they nailed the bad dynamic. So then it really reinforces, especially considering Gamora is not their Gamora. Mm. Right. It reinforces the need uh, of their code of ethics, if you will, that mm. the guardians don't kill even some guy. That's just a loser that no one cares about. Um, as Drax yeah. wants to do. <laughs> the high evolutionary, this is my bottom line here with the high evolutionary, the best villain in the series and maybe one of the best realized villains in the MCU to date. For sure. For sure. Jackson. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And uh, a lot of what's already been said, I don't want to retread, but you know, the villain was so bad that his own people weren't willing to go as far as he was. I know later in the movie, I think it's his second command pulls a weapon on him. Yeah. And, you know, this is too far. You know, we we can't do all this over one yeah. piece of property. Well, and, and, and what I like about that is the same as the vibe you're supposed to get is he seems like a holy man. But once you see his heart, you're disgusted. And his henchmen definitely fall into that group once they see a certain aspect of him. They're like, whoa. Well, there. and it was that commitment to purpose that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. You know, he doesn't turn his, you know, he doesn't become good. He doesn't change his ways. Mm-hmm. It's he's willing to do whatever it takes, sacrifice anyone and everyone to get that goal, to accomplish mm-hmm. that goal. And you don't see that kind of ruthlessness in really any of the comic book movies, you know, um, but yeah, high praise, definitely in my top, I would say top three Marvel villains. Uh, I don't know where I'd put him with Thanos, but I've got Killmonger up there, but I haven't gone back on that one to know well, exactly where okay. he sits. So here's a real question. If we take a time out from just breaking down the movie, you've got a lot of people out there in social media saying, we'll just replace Kang with this guy. Oh, here's the deal. I don't, I didn't even know if there was some sort of comparison, but there's not, there's constant, really not much right. of a connection between constantly the, two the whole time I was watching. I was like, gosh, this King guy is bad. Wait, that's not King. It's the high evolutionary, like his evilness and everything. It was everything I wanted King to be in quantum mania. Yeah. And it's not the King we got, although no, no shame to Jonathan majors, no shame. 
No, he was he did great. I think Cody and I, when we broke that down, were really clear that Jonathan Majors is fantastic in that movie, but it's really the writing. And then you see in this movie what the difference with the villain, how you handle the villain in yeah. the writing and the directing, uh, how it makes them just better as characters. And Ant Man and Quantumania was such a mess. Yeah. Oh gosh. That it really does a disservice to the villain. And now moving forward, you know, with Jonathan Majors, the mess he's in, like, and you're you're probably gonna end up having to recast King Kang, or do you just rewrite? Do you just change plans? Do you just write King out of your plans? I don't know how they can do that because they were like know. they've got Avengers King Dynasty, which is a movie title they'd already announced. Secret Wars was gonna ha- be like kind of the culmination of the whole multiverse King story. I don't know. It, it, I don't know as far as the people online, social media, I really don't know how you can adjust it to make the high evolutionary, the big bad going forward. Like his arc kind of runs its course. He doesn't necessarily die. We don't see him die. Yeah. The last thing we see is him getting, you know, stabbed through the gut basically by Gamora. Um, and he's in a ship that explodes, but he could have escaped, and uh, honestly, I hope I hope they do use him later on in the comics. He wears like a a full helmet. You don't see any of his humanness, um, kind of a la Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. And he, when we find out he's disfigured, maybe this would be a, a good opportunity to bring back him in an even more comic book accurate kind of form. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Justin, what's good? Um. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for uh, pre, for prequels, and so just how this movie took us all the way back to the beginning of Rocket, um, and just wove it through the entire story, um, even going back to uh, to origins of Quill and his grandfather, um, even going back to origins of just realizing the entire beginning of Drax, the destroyer came from a loss of his, his wife and daughter and, and, and coming around full circle and being like, like you're a dad. All right. That's, that's what's wrong. Yeah. Like you're upset. Like, mm-hmm. and like that I thought was one of the most beautiful parts of the movie is just how everyone came full circle and you felt even more connected to every character. Yeah. If 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 we can go in on some Thor love and thunder slander, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite of my problems with the character of Thor. You're absolutely right. You have fully realized character arcs from the very beginning. Yeah. There are payoffs in the final scene that happened in the first scene of the entire, you know, movie with Peter. Um, there are payoffs from very early on. The dancing scene at the end has <sighs> multiple payoffs. Yeah. Drax has multiple times said, you have some people that dance, some people don't. Yeah. Dancing's for idiots, yeah. you know? <laughs> and Quill, you are a dancer. So <laughs> I will push back a little just because when we meet Quill at this, Quill is about where Thor is at the start of Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. There, the character has had some setbacks. Yeah. The character is back to being kind of emotionally stunted. Um, now, James Gunn develops the character through this movie, and there's a redemption of it, um, which but, but Taika think- doesn't. But I think 
for the reason this movie succeeded is the reason that a lot of people did not like Thor Love and Thunder, and that's because this movie's a James Gunn movie. That movie was a Taika movie. True. And so, like, Marvel basically lived by the sword with this one, died by the sword with Love and Thunder, unless your name's Cody, and then he loved it. That's an excellent <laughs> Bible reference, by the way. You're welcome. Nice well Bible done. reference. Um, yeah, I would agree well with that. The, the problem with Thor Love and Thunder is it gets a little too Taika. Um, and this movie, James Gunn, like, listen, I didn't like the Suicide Squad movie. And um, it, it's not like, I don't, I don't think it's, it's not that I think it's bad. It's just not my cup of tea and maybe gets a little too James Gunny. I think like, look, if I'm nitpicking the whole flesh base thing, that's so James Gunn. And could I have done without it? Sure. It doesn't take me out of the movie. It has some funny gags, but, but there's some James Gunn stuff in this. It doesn't all land. Well, so that's like a Easter egg for 2001 space odyssey. Mm-hmm. Cause like the flesh the thing, colored outfits, the colored mm-hmm. outfits are a direct callback. And mm-hmm. then like it's set up like the, one of the stations at, in 2001 space odyssey, not exactly, but a little bit. And so, like, he's definitely letting you know about him. Um, so he had a short um, question-answer session on Twitter, and it was all yes or no's. But this one question, he answered sort of, and he elaborated on it. Um, so the person asked, is this based on a true story? And he said, sort of. It's the true story in my soul. And I'm yeah. like, mm, James Gunn and I were separated at birth. Look, <laughs> James Gunn had some deep things to say in this movie, and we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, I want to echo what Justin said was the good stuff, though, here, and that is like real character arcs that are realized. Um, I, I think Peter, I think, yes, we see him in, in dire straits at the beginning, but I think the there's enough development there to say that like even when he was with his Gamora, Peter's not fully dealing with his brokenness, right? right. I think what what he finds out at the end of the movie is that like that we all have this choice. We have this choice to live in our loss, to live in the brokenness of our lives, or to live in the present and say, "Hey, I have, st- I still have things to live for. My heart's beating. I'm drawing breath. I still have something to do." something to something to gain something to love something you know what i'm saying like yeah. i think that's the arc and and but i see what you're saying um it's you know like really if you look at the star lord at the, in the first 15 minutes of thor love and thunder i wouldn't i wouldn't advise it cuz it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. <laughs> like some of the things he says to thor like he actively is it, it, well let's not revisit that that was atrocious <laughs> Jackson, did you have something? Well, when I heard you say to James Gunny, I was wondering what you thought about the Pete Davidson cameo, if that's to James Gunny. Wait, Pete Davidson was in this movie? Where? I saw that he was, but who, who the, was he? Uh, I guess was creature the creature that was... Mantis screams at and it says, <laughs> no. oh, I wasn't screaming at you. I was screaming at the thing behind you. Wait, 
That was Pete, Pete Davidson? Davidson. I think it's a sound effect, but oh, <laughs> it's man. Pete Davidson. That's wild. That's wild. Um, yeah, you know, like, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say James Gunn's not good at what he does. He's very good. And I love the Guardians movies. And obviously, I love this movie. But when I say being a little too James Gunny, like, look, I think a lot, we've talked about this on the pod at length, really. Uh, I think James Gunn is a guy who's wildly creative, um, a visionary. He's a visionary guy. But I think that he can, like a lot of us, fall into a pride trap or two. Uh, we see this in his interaction on social media. It's great that he interacts with the regular fans, and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like he's he's defending things he really doesn't need to, and I think he can fall into his, his, his own pride, the trap of that. Not just in that arena, I think that gives us a, a sign that he does it in his movies, where I think he can just get a little to him, right? Um, now, I will say with a story like the Guardians in the cosmic Marvel universe, it works. Everything I loved about the first Guardians was James Gunn, was his mm-hmm. mentality, the way he, like, he sets the tone for everything we think about the MCU cosmic universe. And it's a great tone. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but I think the things like the flesh, the organic base, um, I think some of that could rub some people the wrong way. I'm okay with it, uh, but I could see how some, it was a criticism from some people that I saw review the movie and I can't disagree with it. I'm just like, okay, like if he's going to be like James Gunn, if we're going to give James Gunn, Taika Waititi and these guys credit for being themselves, we understand that that is subjective though. Like some people are going to be put off by that. And I think a lot of people were put off by Taika in Thor love and thunder, uh, less so with James Gunn. I think more people are going to identify with James Gunn, uh, than Taika. Taika's kind of out there when you let him be the full Taika, but I think Taika, it was fatigue too. Um, that's kind of what I felt cause I'm thinking, and I don't want to go too far ahead, but if they continue with the series, who takes it over with James going to DC and, I feel like this is something that people will try to steer Taika towards, and that scares me. Oh, no, no, no. Marvel's done with Taika. No way. No way do they let Taika touch Guardians. <laughs> I think you go in a direction. If you're going to keep doing Guardians movies, I think you go in a direction. You, you pick a more serious actor, a director and, and someone that can set a serious tone. Like, look, it's great that the Guardians can be goofy, but a lot of the Guardians' best stories in the comics were very serious. There wasn't this element of the goofiness. Yeah, that was that was like the best part of like Thor departing. It's like it didn't need to be as goofy. Like we still needed some serious. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, totally agree. So, like something that I really appreciated with this movie, and I know several fans. If you did not like the James Gunniness, you might not have appreciated it. But like. He brought in, like, all the characters that, like, are either fan favorites or obscure. Howard the Duck keeps making appearances. <laughs> yeah. And I am here for yes. more Howard the Duck. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Uh, Cosmo. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad that we finally have Cosmo in the movies. Um, Cosmo gets to be the hero. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because Cosmo's a good dog. Yes. Yeah. Yep. There were payoffs in this movie that were just great. Um 
Craglin you knew it. being able figuring out, seeing, you know, envisioning yeah. his former mentor in Yondu. Uh, Mary tell him, Poppins. Tell him that it's got to come Poppins, from the yo. heart. Like all of that pays off so well. And then the payoff in that scene where he's been joking with Cosmo the whole movie, <laughs> calling her a bad dog. And Cosmo is like really irritable about it, yeah. which is hilarious. Um, the, the payoff of that when Cosmo kills that the bad guy by smashing two giant slabs of rock together uh, on him and, and him saying she's a good dog yeah. I, i'm surprised the whole theater didn't jump up in in, yeah. in applause like it was uh, great so it happened the second viewing i watched they did okay yeah it's an amazing is that, scene is that when you were with us yes yeah tuesday night yeah dude there were several cheering moments and man. i'm like where were you people friday <laughs> <laughs> um cheap night tuesdays you kidding me so Gosh, we like, we're not made of money i also liked when cosmo was talking about the Soviets just sent me up there in like 1967. <laughs> and I'm like, those Ruskies, what are you doing? <laughs> well, and so, yeah, just to continue on there, just to kind of continue with, with the what's good that, that Justin pulled up there, the arcs that our main characters go on, you have Nebula and, and Rocket who are yeah. kind of on a similar arc um, that this idea that you can acknowledge that your identity can include your brokenness. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to ignore it. We don't have to move past it. And then it, a full acceptance of, of being broken and being not being ashamed of the past and that past brokenness, but accepting of that. I think Nebula and Rocket go through very similar things. Um, Drax, where sometimes dancing is the only correct response. Uh, and I love the Drax dad stuff oh, uh, at the end. I, I, I think I shed a tear there. Just the look on his face yeah. when he's crying, when Mantis leaves, because he really loved yeah. Mantis. Oh, um, all of that. And then when they're all dancing at the end, uh, the emotional payoff of that comes from the idea that you had really good character arcs through the course of all three of these movies and the holiday special. It's amazing. Like, if you go back and watch the holiday special, how much of just in that little goofy... 40 minute thing pays off in this. Well, I mean, after the, you know, emotional roller coaster you've been through, eh, there's nothing but smiles at the end. I mean, yeah. like, it's almost the best part. You're just like, man, this is yeah. amazing. And of course, perfect song choice oh. Florence and the Machine. <laughs> <sighs> it was great. Yeah. It really it's great was. Great stuff. Do you, Jackson, you always look like you were about to say something. So, uh, well, I was just going to. The arcs piece uh, to relate it is this feels like a movie. It was almost like a graduation or a going away. Like mm -hmm. all yeah. of, you know, all of our friends are leaving, you know, thank you for the experience. It was just, it was kind of the, you know, everybody bows and then exit stages left, which I appreciated because I think that's kind of what I wanted from Endgame. Obviously, mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't going to be the last time, but you know, it, it felt like we're giving you everything we got. We're emptying it all out. We're, you know, squeezing all the toothpaste out of the tube for you. And that was something that I appreciated is everybody got their moment. Everybody got, you know, they went somewhere with their character, yeah. some more than others, which might come up later. But, uh, you know, everybody got a chance to shine. Nobody got forgotten. Nobody was one note. Yeah, I actually, um, and the big rumors were that people were going to die in this movie. Mm -hmm. I actually appreciate that all the pieces are still on the table, but you have closure. 
Like, just yeah. like you said, there's, there's a definite end to this story and it doesn't take away from the stakes that nobody died. So like, again, I keep referring to Ant-Man quantum mania where it felt like because there were no stakes, mm. no one dying or them not having a problem getting rid of Kang at the end really feels cheap. Well, and, and I was one of those people that was worried about that. And I bit on every fake out. Yeah. I thought Quill was gone. I thought Drax was I, definitely gone. I did too. It made sure. a lot of sense for Drax to go down. And if you'd have told me before going into the movie that all the guardians were going to make it through this movie, I'd Said have been disappointed. No yeah. I'd have been disappointed because I'm, because I'm, I'm reacting to the disappointment overall of phase four, not because of James Gunn's guardians movies. James Gunn does a great job of, like, hey, we don't lose anybody, but it still carried real stakes, real, real heaviness, and and they're still dealing with things. And I appreciate that. It's good stuff. Um, Adam Warlock, I put that in my what's good. I like. I, I know Scotty already said he's not a fan of the Adam Warlock. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are saying, well, he's not comic book accurate. I disagree. Uh, the first. The first appearances of Scott, of Adam Warlock in the comic books, he's a villain and he's kind of childlike. Um, even in the early uh, going of the Infinity Gauntlet story, which he's a huge factor in those stories. He goes toe-to-toe with Thanos. Um, Adam Warlock's a powerful individual in the comic books, in the Marvel comics. Um, even in that story, at the beginning, he's not carrying the gravitas and the, the wisdom and intelligence and power he's eventually going to have. And so I am totally fine that he spends most of this movie in a childlike state. And I, I think he's played, I mean, perfectly by Will Poulter. I think he's the perfect choice uh, for the role. And I just love that character. And I love that. Again, the piece is on the table. Still, he's operating with the new team of guardians Mm -hmm. and we get to see him. It leaves the door open for future growth to grow into the character that people love from the comics. I love that that is still on the table for him to grow, for him to still experience character arc, especially when you compare it. Like let's go back to another former movie. Let's take the Scarlet witch. The problem I had with multiverse of madness, which while I still thought it was a good movie was they rushed the whole arc of her turning bad. She goes bad and good all the time in the comics, but it just felt so rushed Like what I really appreciate again about what Gunn does here is he starts off with the early version of the character and that's the version we get, but the the possibility is still there for someone else to come on and take him on. And he will be space Jesus. I told you I was going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's commonly referred to like in the comics as like a space Jesus like character. Well, considering that like, so he's, is he part of the sovereign? Is that the name of the well, group that he's? Yeah. So the yeah. sovereign is a creation of James Gunn. So that's yes. not a thing in the comics. Yes. His origin story is a little bit different in the comics, but yeah, it, it retains the, the overall kind of basis. And the sovereign are considered more higher life forms almost to be worshiped. And so, ah, I love the, the analogy of space Jesus, especially if he's like, I can do anything and like he basically does everything in this movie except save his mom. Spoilers. Ooh, brutal. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to say like, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about him, but I feel like I need to blame that on my lack of comic expertise. Like my lack of history in comics. I 
didn't know who he was necessarily or why he was there. I enjoyed the second half of him once he tried to save his mother mm-hmm. and then like started loving like the puppy thing or whatever. Like he, he became more personable to me, but it's right. like in the beginning I was like, who is this guy? What, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like if you're not a comic reader, what you need to know about Adam Warlock is he becomes a very powerful hero a force for good. And he carries with him a lot of gravitas, which clearly he doesn't have right now. Cause he's like a child, but he's, a re- he's really similar in that way to Groot. Mm-hmm. What we see of Groot for yeah. most of the series, uh, especially most of two yeah. uh, episode two. And then the Avengers movies that he's in where he's kind of like teenage Groot. It's the same sort of progression. We know Groot as, as an, uh, you know, an older mature Groot is, formidable, strong, wise, you know, loving. And so uh, you just got to give Adam Warlock time to get there. Yeah. I think it was a quality intro. He, I wasn't bothered by him. He was kind of a topping on the Sunday for me. It wasn't somebody I was paying a lot of attention to. He has a wonderful intro. You know, he's menacing and, you know, he jolts you when he arrives and then he kind of fades into the background uh, other than melting that ravager and then, you know, has that little, <laughs> that, that was little an amazing scene, there. by the way. <laughs> well, well, and that was another moment, you know, being a dog owner and the alien pet thing. I'm not entirely sure the name on it, but you know, I was impacted by that because the dog started, well, aliens started crying and, you know, he had that little bit of, you know, it wanted to please his mother, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't like he was that character could have been cranked up to 11 and it would have really stuck out. It would have really hurt the movie. Yeah. But I agree. I think it was a proper volume and let's see where he goes next. Yeah. Um, anything else good that anybody wants to mention before we move on? All the great stuff. Groot's, Groot's uh, especially fantastic. Gamora, yeah. like, dude, are you guys just like making up stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And like when they land on Counter Earth and uh, Kaiju Groot, yeah, Kaiju yeah. Groot. No, don't go Kaiju. <laughs> that was amazing. Like, who? I didn't know he had wings, man. Like, I, he Groot pretty can do much anything. do anything. Yeah, he can pretty cow. much do anything. Um, I thought that was a sweet moment that I didn't get upon the first <laughs> viewing. Like, in fact, at the end when the, the audience is in on the Groot development, like, oh, you, when you love Groot and Groot loves you, yeah. that's when you understand. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that on the first viewing. In I fact, did. it took me out of the movie. I was like, mm. wait, that was weird. Why yeah. did he just say, I love you guys? That was so weird. Yeah. And then once James Gunn explained that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I assumed it just because, like, right before that, like, Gamora actually understands yeah. him. Yeah. And, that like, cause you knew this was it. This was the end. It would, and Thor like explained to the guardians like, oh yeah, these guys can't say anything besides I am Groot. Yeah. And let so, me, let me, let me describe the way I view these movies. The first time I watch it, I'm not thinking a whole lot. I'm in experience, experiential mode. So I'm just experiencing the movie. So some things escape me the second time when I knew what it was coming and I heard, I read the, what James Gunn said and I noticed the context around it. I was like, you know, smack in my forehead, like, ah, how did I miss that? Uh, it was so obvious what he was doing there. And it was, 
again, just another one of those sweet little payoff moments that James Gunn is really adept at. Yeah. Anything else? I would like to say that the the subtle development of not their Gamora was really great. Like I constantly wanted more. Like I wanted her to like fully give in to Quill, but I think that's just like your heart being like, please. Yeah. But I feel like it was perfect. It was it was just enough. And it even gets to the point of like, hey, I bet we were fun. And he's like, Yeah. Oh, you have no idea. It's okay, so I'm going to disagree with it a little bit okay? because I thought there were portions of it that felt weird to me, like that they don't even, I, I mean, they say a couple different reasons of who she is, like they don't even understand it, which makes sense. Um, I felt it was kind of scattershot, though, uh, for me, the Gamora character, although I will say um, the payoff at the end, I think, is good with Gamora Yeah, when she has a reunion with the Ravagers. Yeah. And I think the understanding of like, hey, that piece, she's still there, but maybe it's that piece is off the table now, right. which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with that. It Even after my repeat viewings, I'm not totally in on her character in this movie, yeah. uh, but I get it. Yeah, I, I appreciated it. the diversion from it. She didn't end up just saying, oh, well, you know, I'll be that Gamora for right. you. Yeah. They didn't yeah. go down that road of, oh, well, She's not the same Gamora, but he fell in love with her all over again. You know, they they sent her off to her own adventures. You know, if they want to open that up for Disney Plus series or whatever, you know, they resisted the urge. Yeah, no, yeah. I, not saying I want it, but yeah, they resisted no. the urge to just say, oh, they're back, they're reunited, and undo that well, impact. And, and maybe that's my problem with the character in this movie as a, just at all is that that character being in this movie had two purposes. One, um, Zoe Saldana probably had a contract to appear in a certain amount of movies. In fact, she said this was her last one. Uh, so this was the plan. She had to be in this movie. And two, she was there as a plot device for Peter. Mm -hmm. So Peter has to get over her and re and understand and be okay with her not being his Gamora so he can live in the present and say, okay, she's gone. The Gamora I knew is gone it's time to focus on right now instead of the past, which so she's kind of a plot device, which is another problem with it. But again, I get it and I understand it. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm nitpicking because there's not much bad with this. Movie. Um, I think that her being there also shows you the growth of Nebula. So yeah. So she's a plot device for Nebula as well. And yeah, so I, I think that she has to be there. Yeah. You might be right. I, I'm a, I wouldn't argue with that. Do you, do you guys have stuff that aren't good? Co Cody. Oh, Say, what, let me, let me why think. am I even asking that? I know Cody's got a problem. We all love this movie. So Cody's going to have something think. wrong with it. Okay. So it's actually not directly with the movie. Oh, okay. But what it is directly to is guardians is off by itself right now. Mm -hmm. It's not connected to the rest of the MCU. Yeah. So like, do you want to have this discussion now? Is this a discussion we're having now? I let's mean, just, we can jump let's, to it. <laughs> let's just say this right now. This says nothing about the MCU as a whole. Nope. This movie's it's fantastic, over. and it doesn't really change anything that's happened. I'm still just as worried about the future of the MCU as I was going into this movie, 
And we kind of said that we kind of, we kind of knew the deal with this, that this was probably going to be a standalone movie. It is. It's a great movie, but at the end of the day, I'm still a little concerned. So it really hinges on the use of Adam Warlock going into the future. If this is a launching pad for Adam Warlock's story to be like interwoven into the rest of this phase, then great job MCU. But right now it looks like it's a standalone project and the success of this does not mean necessarily success for Marvel into the future. I could not agree with that more. I'm, I'm with you. If there's one piece of this that you, as if I'm Kevin Feige, that I'm using moving forward, that I'm apt. Like, look, the new team of Guardians could turn up in the Secret Wars movie. I'm sure they will. Star-Lord, they said at the end of the movie, Star-Lord yeah. will return. Uh, right. That's fine. I think I'm with you. The most important piece to use that's left on this on the playing surface after the end of this movie is Adam Warlock. I, I totally agree. So we're not confident in the Marvels, is what I'm hearing. Are you confident in the Marvels? Absolutely not, but I just <laughs> wanted somebody to say it. Uh, no, I am not confident in the Marvels. There's all sorts of like behind-the-scenes stuff that would make you even less confident. Um, like, Listen, all the things have been said about Brie Larson, but that's one of those areas like where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. Uh, that's a thing that I think is a real concept. And there's all sorts of behind the scenes chatter that, you know, she was mad that the movie wasn't Captain Marvel two, uh, that she was trying to put her political stuff in the movie, like, you know, which Marvel's already like had some issues with like on their own, like they put political stuff like in, you know, it's just, I don't have a lot of confidence to Marvel's, but I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised. The first trailer was not bad. It was good. So, yeah. Anything else bad that you could put your fingers on in this movie? Um, I was trying to think. I was trying to, like, find something. I was like, man, I'm just not. I mean, I wasn't crazy about, like, that pig and that turtle that looked like knockoff of Ninja Turtle bad guys. <laughs> like, it would look like cheap versions. It was like. <laughs> well, it's a high evolutionary thing. <laughs> Tell you what, yeah. those things were abominations. Um, they, they mentioned, like, they name dropped the Animen. In uh, in this movie, which you know, the high evolutionary had a lot of creations that were like that. So, if you knew it was coming, you knew. But yeah, they they did very look very teenage mutant ninja turtleish. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's let let's move to the next uh, topic, and I'm going to start it with a question: Is this the most God affirming movie in the MCU ever? Um. If I'm stopping to think, it's between this and probably Captain America. <laughs> because because Captain America says uh, uh, there's a god, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. Yeah. Yes, we know we know Cap's a Christian. <laughs> we do right from that throwaway uh, line. <laughs> but like that's maybe the most affirming they've ever did. What what themes just in the course of this movie. So like the, the scene where the high evolutionary almost gets overthrown is the line that he says that causes everyone to be like, I'm going to pull my gun on this guy is there is no God. Yeah. The line where all his men turn on him. 
is she says, for God's sake, because their their ship is in trouble. Mm. Their mission, everything about, they're going down in flames. She says, for God's sakes, and he loses control and says, there is no God. That's where I come in. And there's no discussion. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're like, I'm taking over this ship. Yeah, they turned on him immediately. And I was like, I was the same, like, I was the same way. When that scene happened, I was like, what just happened? That was very God affirming. Yeah. In which like even hit the high evolutionaries discourse with rocket at the very end, mm-hmm. um, you didn't want to make, uh, make us perfect. You just didn't like, uh, creation the way it was or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like yeah. even that, um, so if you, watched me like do my devotion sermon thing on Sunday. I did not it, go on. I did mention that line, this movie and comparing it to, uh, the coronation of, uh, King Charles the third, mm-hmm. um, in regards to, uh, Jesus, like going on the cross Yeah, and unique comparison. You'll have to watch to get the full experience <laughs> in my spare time. Um, yes. Yeah. The, a lot of that stuff comes with the territory of doing the high evolutionary, right? So mm. the high evolutionary is a guy who wants to play God. And I think it's very telling that he can't like yeah. his, his experiments are largely unsuccessful. Not only uh, that, but he wants to, he, he wants to succeed where God has it right? Yes. In his own estimation. So he creates the utopia and that's a joke in the movie because Starler goes, I don't think utopia has, you know, a a rhino dealing meth and, (laughs) and like the porcupine getting beat up. And (laughs) and then even he acknowledges it. The high evolution is like, yeah, Yeah, I'm going to wipe (laughs) it off the face of the planet. Yeah. You got to start. There was one other quote that I, I mean, I absolutely lost it on. And anybody who's had, Anybody who didn't have um, great parenting, anyone who who comes from rough parenting backgrounds, in his near-death experience where he's talking to Lila, and Lila says, it's not about the hands that made you. It's about the hands that guide the hands. And I was just Mm. like, oh, my goodness. Preach. Preach it. Like, yeah, Which, we're, we live in a broken world, but it's about, like, look, at the end of the day, your parents may have sucked, but they made you. There was a purpose. Yep. And, like, so he, I know we say there's no deaths, but he died. He died. Oh, His rocket? heart stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medically speaking, you're either brainwave stop or heart stops. They're dead. Yeah. And so he was resuscitated. But he died. Let's say he couldn't go yet. And so, like, but we're to believe that Rocket got a glimpse of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which was very happy Gilmore-ish, by the way. It was. Did anyone see <laughs> hey, Teeths and Floor waving at him from the light <laughs> and not think of Chubbs? Yeah. In Happy Gilmore? <laughs> him and the gator. Him and the alligator so, waving. Hi, don't hey, be sad, happy. happy. <laughs> Look. So in our greatest story ever told, yeah, I'm going to even go a completely different route. Drax gets like the God treatment mm-hmm. 
Um, so within, I'm going to say it's poor theology and scholarly work, but if you look at the Old Testament, a lot of people will say, oh, the God of the Old Testament, so angry, so vengeful, uh, and yeah. which... I, I mean, we, we, we point to Noah, uh, God, like, oh, I'm going to wipe everyone off the face of the earth. Oh, I'm never going to do that again with rain anyway. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people will point to that. But then New Testament, oh, he's a loving heavenly father. Yeah. And Drax, the destroyer, really wasn't meant to destroy. Well, and the secret is Drax was always a father. Mm. that that was always yes. underneath the surface yeah that's good Gosh, that's good stuff um great great stuff oh, it was yeah. a lot of that story stuff was deep i love the 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 fact that rocket so many of us have rough beginnings yeah so many of us have rough beginnings and the big payoff for rocket it, remember in the first movie what he says, Jackson, and I'm looking at Jackson because I know he knows what I'm talking about because we've talked about our, our histories. In the first one, Rocket says, there ain't no one like me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he refuses to be called a raccoon. The scene at the end, after he's had the scene with Lila, who says it's not about the hands that made us, but about the hands that guide the hands, and he sees the raccoons, the regular raccoons, and he 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 has the moment of seeing the the name on the plate, <laughs> yeah. and then he identifies himself. I'm Rocket Raccoon, which is yeah. how he identifies in the comics. So it's a payoff in multiple ways. It's a payoff in comic book accuracy. Love it. And it's a payoff in the completion of the arc of the character who now rests in this wholeness, even though yeah. he's broken. And he rests in the not just a wholeness in in and of himself but a wholeness of community. Like, okay, I'm not the only one of me. Mm -hmm. I'm not unique. My story, my pain doesn't isolate me. It connects me. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. Yeah. Super biblical. Fantastic. Yeah. Anything else? Any other? Uh... Um, I mean, literally the rescuing of the animals. And Noah's the Ark? Was yeah. Noah's oh, Ark. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. When that scene happens, did you just yell it out in the theater? It's like, it's Noah's Ark. <laughs> well, I, I thought about that. I think that. it was more like, he's like, come on, we got we to gotta save the rest of the animals. And everybody's just like, oh my gosh, what, what well, all's in here? Like, that lady that People's like hauling them on their back like, and stuff. <laughs> clawed off by a monkey. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I never, going into this movie, I wouldn't have thought that James Gunn was a, a man of faith at all. Had a background in it, nothing. I'm convinced he does now. And I'm convinced he has some sort of faith background. There's too many faith things in this movie that are deeply biblical in nature. I mean, the amount of sacrificial love that happens in there too, like just yeah. over oh, and yeah. over again, yeah. over and over. It's great stuff. Great stuff. Um, anything else? All right, let's move on. The winner of the movie. Who is the winner of the movie? Justin, we'll start with you. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, off the, off the top of my head, I, I, it's just Chris Pratt. I, I, love, I love Chris Pratt. I love uh, the plot that he takes you through. And I, I love seeing, you know, like when, when Rocket does flatline, just the utter fear and horror and desperation <sighs> yeah. that comes across in him because everybody's like, 
dude, he's dead. And he's just like, no, when I'm not he, losing it. When he screams, I'm not losing it. Yeah. Which was in the trailer. Uh, I was yeah. crying, man. Um, like it, literally. So we did Armageddon a few weeks back mm-hmm. and there's only one scene that Ben Affleck actually nails. And mm-hmm. it's when he's screaming after yeah. Bruce Willis shoves him back in and has yeah. cut his line. There you go. Chris Pratt nailed that scene yes. to the level of the Ben yeah. Affleck. There's two. There were two scenes. There were two screams in this movie that instantly brought me to tears. One of them was Chris Pratt in yeah. that scene. The other one was Rocket when Lila gets killed. Yes. When the animals yes. get killed. But- the scream he lets out for being like, I'm embarrassed to say a CGI character made me cry, but oh my goodness, it, it, that was heart wrenching. It, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even crying. It was like, it was like, bitterly wailing yeah and then and then to have the high evolutionary mock him yes oh yeah evil incarnate like i think i think i might even like even if like chris pratt's like kind of an obvious one i'd take a step aside and be like like what voice acting by bradley cooper like phenomenal yeah it's kind of amazing jackson who's your winner of the movie well to avoid well-trod ground i'm gonna go with cosmo It was great because I wasn't standing up and cheering, but, uh, you know, I'm, my wife's watching the emotional roller coaster I'm on. And, uh, then when Cosmo smashes the last enemy with the pieces of stone and I just start patting her and she's like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, I don't know if she thought I was just having a full emotional breakdown, but that was, that was a, you know, yeah. a character I had no familiarity with. It's a character that had no, no arc, no, you know, real involvement, but it was like to just, to be in a movie that makes you react that way. And when so many of the films we watch today, it's like, okay, I watched that. I'll never see it again. And I'll forget. I saw it in, yeah. you know, a week to the, something that small, that inconsequential. And it, the character would come in, get you a little bit of levity and then pop right back out. Didn't overstay. They didn't try to overdo Mm -hmm. it, anything like that. It was just an example of bringing a character in exact purpose and then right back out. In a pro wrestling, they call the, when the wrestler comes out and the, 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 the crowd erupts that has a name pop the pop. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cosmo gets two of the biggest pops in the movie. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the she's a good dog. Yeah. And then the the saving at the end where she's literally holding the two ships together so the kids and the animals oh, yeah. can escape. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. Cosmo. Yeah. Well, even great. her continuing to be bothered by that. I'm not a bad dog. Yeah. And yeah. Cosmo, by the way, appears in the first Guardian of the movie. She's yeah. property of the collector, yep. Yep. as is Howard the Duck. Yeah. So I was noticing that. I was like, man, they just wove everybody in yeah. here, man. Who's the winner of the movie, Cody? This is tough. I could say it's the, it? It, I could say it's DC fans. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. right, legitimately, right. if you are a DC fan and you have seen James Gunn, I will agree with Scotty, make the best trilogy in the MCU. Yeah. And you have seen him do evil Superboy movie with Brightburn. Mm-hmm. And you know if you're a fan of his work before then, which besides Scooby-Doo yeah. is all in the horror yeah. stuff. Real talk. 
going into this movie, it would have been a real discussion and argument to say who it was more important for. Is it more important for the MCU moving forward or the new DCU? Yeah. So I, I feel like DCU fans can, can be at rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll go split winners. Comic book fans in general. Because I think that this this was good for all. That like, oh, if it's done well, there yeah. isn't comic book fatigue yeah, to I, that level. I agree wholeheartedly. There's no comic book fatigue. There's bad movie fatigue. Because mm-hmm. like Rotten Tomatoes, I checked this morning. It was like 95 or 96% yeah. fan Gracious. score and 81% critic score. Um, but if I'm going with the character... Drax. Okay. Uh, the literally when he started dancing, I oh. got choked up. And yeah, I'm like, Son of a gun, happy yeah. tears. What is going on? I've been listening here? to that song on repeat since since I saw the movie the first time. So great. Um, I'm gonna go with James Gunn. James Gunn is He's the winner of this it. movie. I think it was a huge, huge success for this movie to be critic, not critically received, but to be fan received. That the fans love this movie is huge for James Gunn, huge for the DCU. And if there's any question mark, it's the MCU. It's like, well, this uh, by and large wasn't really connected to the rest of your story. So it's still an incomplete. We don't know. And so uh, the winner of the movie is James Gunn. That leads into my go get him next time award. The loser of the movie, it leads directly into it. I'll just go first. I think the loser of the movie is Kevin Feige. I think the loser of the movie is Kevin Feige because now the pressure all shifts to him. Oh, yeah. Um, Because, I mean, literally the backlash that he got for letting Taika go full Taika. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he let James Gunn go full James Gunn, and it did work out. So a win and a loss. Um, And, like, this press tour, we found out more information about, like, Oh, the Infinity Stones? James Gunn's like, give me an hour, hour and a half. I'll write that. Yeah, I mean, he's borrowing from the myth, myth yes. mythos that's already present in the comics. I read that, too. It's not like he came up with the idea of the Infinity well, Stones. I know, but like how to get into the MCU. Yeah, yeah I, and that's good. He and wrote he wrote the little blurb in like, Guardians 1. You're yeah. not going to get um, like cool Christmas specials. That he's like, you know what? We need a Christmas special. Give me a day. I'll have the script done. Dude, if there's not a Christmas special, a new Christmas special next year, I'm going to be sad. (laughs) So, yeah, Feige has more pressure on him, especially with what looks to be a suspect movie in the the marvels um it was literally my least favorite trailer out of all the trailers that happened before the movie Mm -hmm. and that includes indiana jones where i refuse to acknowledge anything past three that's the correct uh that's correct (laughs) and so like that's the right answer they're making me acknowledge number five i haven't even seen four Listen, and so <laughs> I was wholeheartedly and very genuinely calling out to, to J- Jesus during the Indiana Jones trailer to be like, please don't suck. Can this please be good? I don't think I can take another bad one. <laughs> um, oh, Jackson, who's the loser of the movie in your estimation? Um, I mean, anybody that has to follow that. Uh, so 
when we're talking about the Marvels, I think you're going to get one or two sacrificial lambs of just, you know, these movies can't follow Guardians 3. And I heard, I think production was shut down on Blade, so there's not a lot of optimism coming out of that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, the MCU's on shaky ground. Yeah. I think, you know... They, when you plan your future out as far as they do, and you just, I think it, it maybe exhausts your fan base of like, I, I'd be fine with you surprising me, you know, not knowing the next 10 years of this slate and, you know, not having every single character get a uh, yeah. Disney Plus show or a movie or, you know, things like that to where you you set that standard for yourself that you have to live up to after you introduce it and then everybody's just aiming to watch you fail yeah i honestly yeah um like if the mar the, the, that the marvels is the next movie like if brie larson goes out on like a joyless publicity tour <laughs> and and the movie tanks oh they're in trouble they're in big trouble because I think it would just take one more subpar movie or average movie to be right back in the spot we were in to be like, well, is it superhero fatigue? Which I don't think it is. I feel sad. And I'm hoping that Miss Marvel, uh, what's her name? Cause anyone know, remember the name of the actress I don't. who plays Miss Marvel. She's it's wonderful. Ford. She's fantastic. And she's the best parts of the trailer. Um, I, I, I think, I think if she can carry the movie, it might be pretty good. Um, or if Brie Larson can, you know, um, re- remove herself from her, you know, her her political standpoints long enough to, you know, just deliver a good performance, and the movie, you know, could could be good. But I don't know. The things you're hearing out of it are not promising. But you, when you think about it, it's like, how good does it have to be? Because perfectly serviceable isn't going to work. No, I know. That's you what know, I'm saying. They're in a tough spot. Like, Run of the mill boxes all checked, you know, happy ending. And I think a lot of the fandom doesn't have a lot of hope for that movie. And like, look, pleasantly surprising might not be good enough. Mm -hmm. It needs to be good. Yeah. Or secret invasion needs to be good. If they nail a Disney plus series and secret evasion is good. And then Loki two is good. Then they might be okay. But then Loki two, you're delving into, well, how's the Jonathan Major situation going to play out? Because he's still in that. They haven't, they're not recasting. He's in Loki too. So we'll see. Um, Justin, who's the loser of the movie? Maybe maybe all the writers that are on strike right now. <laughs> I don't know. First off, they need to get paid. And second, yeah, they're Well, it's not up. James Gunn. No. Well, I mean, he's scabbing it say, up. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, so James. Writers slash producers. So yeah, it's like, I mean, if you're, if you're just right, I mean, like, good grief. Yeah. There's a lot to follow here, and it's like Jackson said, it's like it's going to be a struggle. You can't just be like, eh, "It's good." We learned from Quantum Mania that like the happy ending isn't what everybody's looking for. Like, yeah, you're gonna have to nail it. All right. So, are you ready for my hot take? Because I didn't give mine. Hey, what okay. About, you want favorite scenes? You want favorite scenes? Anybody got a favorite scene? Well, we, we did that. Oh, we did. Well, yeah. That's we the good stuff. Scene? What's yeah. the good stuff? All right. Well, you I have a favorite scene? To my bad oh, yeah. stuff. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Or my bad, or who's the loser yet? I didn't You go. didn't give a loser yet? No. Okay, I, give us the loser. Your who's your loser of the movie? Thing. Yeah. Uh, I told you I had a hot take, and you're all going to roll your eyes. 
Robert Downey Jr. RDJ is the loser of this movie. Okay, explain. Two death scenes, literally, Lila's and Rockets brought more emotion than RDJ. I'm Iron Man. Yeah, I won't argue I, with I'm, that. I'm, and I, I won't argue with that. So and I, I mean, thought I was gonna hate it. Whatever you were about to say, I thought I was gonna hate it. But I, I don't. mean, if you're like a really big Tom Hiddleston fan. His death as Loki one of the times. Um, <laughs> like look, one of the times. Oh, full disclosure, something I don't think I've ever said on the pod. RDJ, Iron Man, not even close to my favorite character of the first wave of movies. He's I not my Iron guy. I, I think Robert Downey Jr. is talented. I think he was a great, perfect choice to be cast as Tony Stark. But I find Tony the, Stank. I, I find the character to be very one dimensional. And he was never my favorite character. And as such, I didn't have all the emotional feels when he dies in in Endgame. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that it was as good as these deaths, but don't downplay it. Don't downplay <laughs> it. I'm just saying like, look, that he's the that. loser of the movie because up till this point, you had him maybe at number one or maybe at number two, and now he's number three or further back on Saddest deaths in the MCU. All right. That's bold. Stretch. It's a bold. It's a bold take. Hot takes. Stretch. Right. Jackson, did you have a response to that? Well, I don't know that you can use CGI animals versus a real life human uh, because obviously you bring Lila literally had metal clamps for arms. Something <laughs> you know produced and you know meant to be as cute as possible, and you know y- you kind of knew even if you didn't want to lie to yourself, Lila wasn't making it out of the movie. You know you knew they were flashbacks. And, you know, Listen. he's not talking about, I'm going to go see Lila. I'll yeah. see you guys later. Hey, Cody is PETA's favorite pop culture pastor. I'm just saying. Well, Cody's PETA got a history with RDJ, so I'm not surprised oh. he looked oh, wait, for a what? way to worm what? him in. Whoa, wait, what is the history? What? Oh, we know that I don't like Iron Man. Oh, yeah. And you have that weird take that Iron Man's not a good movie. Like, I think RDJ was at his peak prowess. Outside of Endgame in Infinity War, in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Hot take! Yeah, he was good in that movie. He was great in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. All right. Uh, you you, you mentioned you didn't mention one of your favorite scenes? Okay, so, sorry. I, was, I, think I, was, uh, I think I was lost in the sauce or something. I don't know what was going on. But wow. Here's the deal. Here's I don't the deal. even okay. know what that means. You'll soon find out. Um, no, like the see, see rockets finally back, right? Like everybody's, you know, and it's like, Hey, we got to go in there and save everybody. Take it back in your mind. The earbuds go in beastie boys oh, comes on. How did we not talk about that scene? Cocks the gun and says, I'm done running. And they go in there and lay waste. How did we, how did we not talk about that scene? Listen, I was waiting for the it. no sleep till Brooklyn fight scene is one of the greatest fight scenes in the MCU period. Bar none. End of statement. Yeah. If not the greatest top of the list, that is a fantastic fight scene and it's just glorious. Yeah. Well, I think it touches. I hit on it a little bit of like, this is a movie that's experienced and reacted, not watched. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I kind of wanted to get in with the evolutionary of, when he gets his comeuppance, you're you're rooting for it. It's not 
okay, he's the bad guy, so the bad thing needs to happen to the bad guy. It was, you had that extra little oomph, that Tiger Woods fist pump of like, yeah, you're getting what you deserve, you're getting what you've asked for. And that fight scene's a great example of like, you're adrenalized, you know, I'm I'm actively crying when Rocket and Lila are having their conversation and she's saying, you know, you can't come with us right now and he comes back and Quill's, you know, I, I'm all in my emotions and then that scene hits and I'm yes. like, okay, we're back, you know, mm-hmm. we're good to go, you know, everything like that. Great music choice too. Oh, yeah. It is a great music choice and it, overshadows another great fight scene where Groot and Quill like take mm-hmm. on the yeah, high evolutionaries phenomenal. crew all by themselves. Yeah. And the, which we see a lot of in the trailer. And I figured that that would have been a part of that big final fight, but it's not. No. And like, honestly, that fight scene probably is in the top 10 yeah, of Marvel great. fight yeah. scenes. And like the way they escape is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it like ba- baffles everyone. Huh? That's an interesting choice to jump out the window and onto an exploding planet. Something <laughs> yeah. that we also didn't mention. Cause I mean, there's a lot in this film. Oh, man. Um, it's just like, if you think about it, rock and nebula are the, the only two that survived the blip. Like they don't get wiped out of existence. Yeah. And so like Nebula, when she hears Rocket's voice over the oh. intercom, oh my oh, goodness. There yeah. Karen uh Gillian uh crushes this movie. She would have been probably my backup behind Drax. I think you're I, right. I connected with Drax's story it. a lot more, but Nebula she did a good yeah, job. There's you're, you guys are right. There's so much in this movie that we it's hard to get all the little payoffs. But that scene where she breaks down uh, after finding out Rocket is alive is yeah because you take it all into context of hey they spent five years as the only ones mm-hmm. like yeah that was that was phenomenal. Fantastic. That's a good point, Cody. Um, all right, we're gonna go around the table. You're going to give a ranking for each movie in the guardian series one uh, one Whoa. one out of ten ten being the highest we're going to start with justin give me your definitive ranking of and ratings for the three guardians movies oh gosh um do, you, do we I need still, to come back to I, you <laughs> i still i still like i still like guardians one as the best mm-hmm. um guardians three is two guardians two three all right so jackson so we I, name the movie, name the number. Is that yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. If you have a rating, give By me a rating. Volumes. <laughs> so we'll go, Cap- oh, I almost said Captain America. I was looking at the poster. <laughs> uh, Guardians 1, I'm going to go 7, 8. Uh, Guardians 2, I'm going 10. Whoa. Guardians 3, I'm going 9. What was that? What was that old uh, political sh- show that they used to make fun of on Saturday Night Live? They'd be like, you're like, go, ruddy, ruddy. And then they'd say the answer, and he'd be like, wrong! You know, that's how I felt right there. Uh, oh, that was great. Um, so, Guardians 1, I'll give a solid 9. Guardians 2, 8.75, because it's just slightly beneath. Not a whole lot. Like, if you catch me on a Tuesday, maybe, it might be above Guardians 1. Just kind of depends on what notes are hitting that day 
Um, this one's a solid 10. Solid 10. All right. Um, I'm going to say Guardians 1 as a 9. For me, it's a top five MCU movie. I don't rate things. I don't give anything a 10. But Guardians 1's a 9. Uh, Guardians 3, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I think it's a top 10 MCU movie. I think it's really fantastic. Really, really good. And over time, uh, it might go up. You know, in my eyes, I'm, I, I don't want my emotions to grade the movie and, uh, guardians Two, I think it's a good movie, but I don't think it's great. I'd give it a seven. Sorry for uh, misunderstanding the assignment. Guardians three. I'm giving 8.7. That's a weird rating. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Thank you for being different. You're welcome. Um, Hey, does just a final question to ponder. We don't have to all answer this one because it's going to lead into our topic next week. Does this rank as one of the best trilogies of all time? Absolutely. They can't hear you nodding. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I, th- I think it has to. Yeah. I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Okay. I'm going to give a teaser. Okay. For next week, but MCU finally has something comparable. Comparable to the Dark Knight trilogy. I knew you were Which okay. is what every comic book trilogy should be upheld to and the dark Knight trilogy is in the upper echelon of trilogies you heard it i don't know how i feel about that but we'll have plenty of time to talk about next week next week we will be talking about trilogies what makes a good trilogy what are the best trilogies what are the trilogies that aren't so good uh that'll be the subject for next week and we'll continue our guardians three talk then because This now is a trilogy that sits in worthy of being discussed as a great trilogy. So uh, we'll talk about that. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We love all of our listeners. Make sure you're subscribed, all that stuff. Uh, Make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook and all that. So you can share the posts. It's really important that you share the posts so that we can grow as a community and we can do other things. So uh, make sure and do all of that. And hey, just like Rocket. I hope you guys realize that we are not a sum of the bad things that have happened to us. You are a valuable story in motion and it's worthy of being told. And it's all part of the story, which makes it valuable and good. What he said. Yeah. Uh, So keep on listening. We'll see you next time. Pop culture faster. Pop culture faster. Pop culture faster